This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. As we've been going along, we, we've been, I hope so at least, measuring ourselves individually against each of the churches. There might be a bit here and a bit there in the different ones, but we're really looking to be overcomers, aren't we? That's what we're looking for. We want to be overcomers. Uh, and so in order to do that, it's really good to identify if there's anything in the way. If there's not, that's good news. If there is, it's a simple answer. We repent of it and we move on. And so these letters to the seven churches, they are so important for the church everywhere down through the ages. And so let's read about Laodicea, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation says, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm or tepid, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, I have become wealthy, I need nothing. You don't know that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich. And white clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed. And ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love I rebuke and discipline. So be committed and repent. Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and have dinner with him and he with me. The victor, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I also won the victory and sat down with my father on his throne, anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, well Brian opened with this whole business of, of how does the Spirit speak to you? I can't answer that either, really. We know when he does. There is actually a proviso that this explains is not everybody has gone here to hear. So we've got to make sure. It is absolutely essential that we have ears to hear. Now, I think there's a choosing in that, basically. It says, uh, whatever the situation is, whatever I've done, not done, uh, whatever I think, believe, and, uh, and every aspect of our life and our thought process, let's put that to one side so that we are not making wrong judgment of ourselves, so that the Spirit can speak clearly to us. That's not easy to do, is it? We have to have God's help with that. So a good place to start is say, Lord, will you help me with this? And if we say that, honestly, he will. And the Spirit begins to speak to us and he shows us, he directs our path. And in some cases, he reveals things. And you know, when God reveals things, it's not always bad. <laughs> Sometimes he says, you've done well. And we don't always know. So we must be wide open to hearing what God has to say. Jesus among the churches by the Spirit of God. The Amen. In other words, he's got the last word. That's, that's really uh, what is being said here. He has the last word. This is God himself, the originator of all things. Uh, there is nothing that has been made that has not been made because God made it. Now, we know that some things are evil. He didn't make evil. Uh, they're an aberration. Uh, they took what was good and they, they went against it and twisted it. So everything that is good is of God's doing. 
he has something different to say to this church because Laodicea uh, was an extremely wealthy, successful town. It, it was known for its wealth. It was a self-sufficient place. It didn't even depend on the rest of the empire. Totally self-sufficient. It was famous for black wool and it was famous for an eye ointment. So when we see what God has to say, you can see the background of that. And he's using the reality of the culture of that place. He's using that, its history, its impact. He's using that to speak to the Christians that lived in Laodicea. Things that they could attach to and think, well, wow, maybe that's influenced me. I need to do something about that. Uh, and that's what God is saying to these people in Laodicea. And interestingly, he says, I know your works, but he doesn't say anything about them. So in all the other cases, he, he knew their works uh, and he commended the things that were good. If there was error, he pointed it out. If there was bad practice, if there was immorality, he spoke to it. But if they did well, he said, you've done well. He commended them. It's interesting that this place, which was successful, and the church itself, uh, it seems uh, as if the church was successful. Uh, there's no evidence of uh, false doctrine here. There's no evidence of immorality. On the surface of it, everything looked really good. Now, at Laodicea, they had a, they had a real problem, and it was with the, the supply of water. They were dependent on outside sources. So they got water from places where uh, there were hot springs. They got water from places where it was so cool and fresh. But by the time it got to Laodicea, the freshness had gone. The benefit of the hot springs, it had gone. And so it's kind of tepid. What we need to understand about what is really being said here what is God saying to these people who, there was success going on on the surface. They were self-sufficient because they were like the city where they belong. What he's really saying is this. So your doctrine's fine. Your practice is fine. I've not found any immorality. And maybe they did a lot. But he said, it's all distasteful to me. Why? Because they had a high opinion of themselves. They were self-sufficient. And I suppose if we want to talk about that in theological terms, there was some self-righteousness going on. And God did not measure them by the external. He measured them by what was going on inside. What they really thought about themselves. That's how he measured them. And actually, that's the way he measures us. He looks at us deeply. And we might be able to say, oh, well, we got this right and we did this. And there's a boasting in it. And as far as God is concerned, it really is distasteful to him. So that's the point. See, when, this is a strong way of saying it. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. See, it's not a salvation issue. It's the fact that to God, the things that were said and done in that church, he found them distasteful. And so he'd spew them out. That's what he's saying. That's tough stuff. Can, can you just imagine that here you are, you're a Christian, you've been a Christian a long time and you're doing what you do and you think you believe what's right. All of that, 
And one day God looks at you, he says, you make me sick. This is how serious this is, because that's what he's saying. He tells them why, you think you're rich, you think you're this, you think you're that, you think the other, but none of it counts. He says, actually, you're the very opposite of that. And there's reference made to their wealth, you see. They think they need, they don't need anything, but they do. They need the presence of God, they need his grace. So actually, they're really poor. All this stuff that they, they, they do, all, all the, the exterior of what they were, I, their image, their posturing, whatever it was, he says, you, you're in poverty. And you don't even know it. You're wretched. Yeah, pitiful. The opposite of what they thought they were. See, the self-righteous one, they don't feel wretched when they are. See, God don't want anybody to be wretched. He wants us to be whole. But when God saw them, he saw the reality. And he says, pathetic. You're blind. You can't even see. Here you are, you live in this city, and they've got this famous ointment that you put on your eyes. You can't even see. You live in this city, it's famous for the black wall, but actually you need white robes. You need to be cleansed. You need to have your sight healed. You need to become rich in the fullness of the gospel of Christ and his grace in your lives. He said, that's what you need. And then he says, I'm going to give you some advice. Of course, if we are faithful people and we follow God, it's an interesting way that he says it, isn't it? Because we've got the word of God here. We've got someone. And he said to them, I'm going to give you some advice. This is what this is. It's God's advice to us based upon the truth of who he is and what he has done. And you see, the thing with advice is you don't have to take it. And there is a good thing about that because it says it's your responsibility. The advice is here. You do it or you don't. God hands that responsibility to us. And so we're not just a bunch of clones sat in chairs, meeting on a Sunday morning, singing our songs. We are individual people that God has chosen to belong to him. And he grants to us the freedom and we need to listen and hold that and be grateful for it. And this is full of advice. Come to me, he says. That's what you really need to do. You think you're rich, but actually there's a gold which is beyond all that richness. You come to me. You can buy it from me. Well, of course, there's a play on words with all of this. We don't have enough. We don't have what it takes to buy it from him. But he has provided the way. By the, the grace of God, uh, when we invest in what it is that Jesus has done for us, he buys that salvation through the offering of his life. Come to me. I've given you everything that you need, but really, you've got to be humble because you're not rich. You're poor. You don't have it what it takes, but I'm willing to give it to you. See, this is the the mercy of God. Here he is. These people, they make him feel sick. And yet, he comes. And what he does is this. He tells them, in spite of everything, that he loves them. Now, here's a, here's a change. Is that compatible with the way he feels? Yes, of course it is. I love you in spite of it, he says. 
Have I not given myself totally in order that you can have all of the benefits of salvation? That's how much I love you. And look what you're doing. But nevertheless, I do love you. And he tells them something else that they, they don't really want to hear. Who does? You know, what, what adult person wants to hear the next little bit? Those that I love, I discipline. I rebuke them. In other words, he points out their lack, their fault, and then he says, if you don't smarten up, this is what I'm going to do. It is the discipline of the Lord which leads to our freedom. That's what he says. It's always like that with God because he loves all of his people. And whatever situation we find ourselves in, uh, when we are astray, these people are astray, they don't think they are, but whenever we are astray, whenever our hearts are calloused, nevertheless, he says, I love you. And I'm telling you this because I don't want you to stay in that state. Discipline comes. We've seen it in the other churches, not all of them. We've seen how God disciplined his people. But discipline is always there, not from a straight justice point, you deserve this, it's there, but it's redemptive. The discipline of God is for our benefit. Uh, we must never shy away from it. And he speaks and he says, I love you. And because I love you, I've got to tell you, this is the way it is. You're in the wrong here. And if necessary, I will come and do what I need to do in order to try and get you back on track. And not only that, because this is not just technicalities, God, here we have him right at the beginning, the Amen. He has the last word. He's the originator of all things. This is God who is, he created. He is without limit in his power. And in a sense, he is afar off. He's over and above. He's transcendent. And yet, this transcendent God, he draws near, very close. And so he says, right, I'm here, I'm knocking. He's talking to these people. He's talking to people who, they say they're Christians, I'm sure they are. They say they are followers of Jesus. They say they belong to him. They are saved. He's talking to those people. And he says, I'm here. I am knocking. I am knocking at your door. I, I want to come and join with you. I want to have fellowship with you. Uh, and one of the best ways of talking about fellowship in the Bible and, and in any other way, actually, really, is to sit down and let's have a great meal together. That's what he's saying. I, I want to be close to you. I want to come and share with your life. I, I want to sit down, prepare a feast. Do you not want me to come into your house? That's what he's saying. Is they have become so self-sufficient, they know all the right things to say, but somehow... The presence of Jesus is removed. Can they get that back? Yes, they can. Because he has come and he's told them. And then he says, if you hear my voice, if you open the door, I will come in. And to see the desire, the real desire of Jesus for his people who 
He's looked at them. He finds them offensive in the way that they uh, have responded to the freedom that the gospel brings. It's distasteful, but he says, that can all change because I am here. But there is a barrier. The door isn't actually opened yet, but I'm tapping away on this door. The mercy of God, that's what it's about. He loves his people. I'll come in. And his tone is changing because this is what he really desires. He knows that some will turn a deaf ear, a blind eye, and will still invest themselves in their own self-righteousness. But just maybe, maybe some, as in some of the other churches, maybe some will say, there is nothing more than we want, is that we welcome you in. And that's what God wants from us. He is this God who is beyond all, yet he draws near. And in simplicity says, I, I just want to come in. I want to have a chat with you. I want some fellowship. I don't want anything between it. I don't want anything to spoil that. And that is the way God is. And as much as this is probably, in, in some ways, it's the worst to listen to. That God is he's sick of these people. You know, nobody wants to say that. But process of God as he speaks truth and he has all the power to do whatever is necessary. His desire is for his people to be close and comfortable in his presence. Happy to have him there because really that's the place that God wants in our very depth of our being. That's what he wants. And, and again, he talks about victors. It's a strange thing, really, because you think victory is some, some great battle. And there you are, you, you, you're bashing away there till, till somehow you overcome, and now you're a victor. This is probably one of the greatest victories that any individual Christian can ever take part in. Putting away those things that separate us from that life-giving grace of God that he has, if only. See? It says, what I've got for you, if you do this, is beyond anything you have ever experienced. Forget all your accomplishments. Forget all your wealth. Forget all whatever it is. Forget it all. If you will come this way, having heard my voice, and responded in the way that I have taught you to respond, I'm going to let you share in the absolute victory. You can sit with me on my throne. Well, that's a place of power. That's a remarkable thing. That God offers that for his own, that we might share with him from his place of power. And I, I can't really fully grasp that. But there is a day coming when all evil is put away, uh, that those who are his that have overcome, there is a sharing in the victory of Christ, the place of power that banishes all evil. That's what he offers. He offers in the place, to be in the place of completion. See, he won a victory and he sat down. Well, we're not sitting down yet. 
Aye. Why do we sit on stand when we're saying he's nothing to do with it? We, we're not, we've not sat down yet. You see, you sit down when you're finished. We're not finished yet. He has. We shall be looking to that place of saying that by the grace of God, we'll become victors. There is nothing more to be achieved. It is done for all eternity. And then in eternity, a whole new thing opens up. It's the sharing of the goodness of God throughout the whole of his created order in some way or other. That's what he's pointing towards. And so by the grace of God, let's open our ears, let's open our eyes, and let's be determined that we will be counted amongst those who are victors. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.